Welcome to the Shepherd's Voice with Pastor Johnny Awanyo. This simple, scripturally sound preaching and teaching of the Word of God will direct you to Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Follow the Shepherd's Voice into the green pastures that God has purposed for you. There, you'll find rest for your soul and the fulfilled Christian experience you crave. God bless you as you listen. Hallelujah! Amen! Lift up your hands unto the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Holy, holy God Almighty It's a privilege to worship you Maker of all universe It's an honor just to stand before for you, holy, holy God Almighty. It's a privilege, Lord. It's a privilege to worship you. Maker of all universe. It's an just to stand before you with a grateful heart I lift my hands to you oh Lord proclaiming you reign sing again with a grateful heart come on with a grateful heart I lift my hands to you oh yeah Proclaiming, Lord, you reign, you reign. Great are you, Lord, great are you, Lord. Oh, greatly to be praised, greatly to be praised. Father, you reign, great are you, Lord. Oh, greatly to be praised, greatly to be praised, Father, great are you, Lord, great are you, Lord, greatly to be praised, sing greatly to be praised, sing, Father, you reign, oh, yes, great. Thank you, great God, the Almighty One, the incomparable God. As a matter of fact, all the gods of this world are idols, but you are the only true God, the one to him we have assigned our lives, our future, our destiny, and our everything. And tonight, we declare that you are great and greatly to be praised. And as we've gathered in your house, in your presence, with the brethren and the sistering, I pray in the name of Jesus for another time of impartation where you will deposit nuggets of blessings into our lives. I pray for everyone here tonight and I pray for everyone else watching that Holy Spirit, you will manifest the glory of the only begotten Son to each and every one of us. May our understanding 
of the Father and of the Son and of the Spirit be deepened and heightened tonight in the name of Jesus. May nobody exit out of tonight's service the same way he or she came in. But let there be a life-changing experience and may we inch closer in our knowledge of you to the glory of your name. I thank you, Father, tonight in Jesus' mighty name. Let everybody say amen. amen. Put your hands together for Jesus. Hallelujah. God bless you and you may be seated. Tell your neighbor, it is good to see you. And I know that something good will come your way tonight. Did a person say amen? They say the amen for the person right now. Hallelujah. For some weeks now, we've been looking at the parables of Jesus. The parables of Jesus. And the reason why we are looking at the parables of Jesus is because we believe that these parables reveal a lot about Jesus and the truth that he stood for. One of our greatest quests in this life must be to know Jesus and to be drawn closer to him. And I've actually spent weeks teaching on this subject of that I may know him. I believe it is available on the podcast and you can learn some very valuable lessons about how to know Jesus. And if you don't know how to access the podcast, you can see any of the pastors after the service. They will help set it up on your phone or on your tablet for you. Phones and tablets are not meant for doing bad things. They can do good things for us as well. Hallelujah. But to know Jesus, you can know him by what he did. And you can also know him by what he taught. So from the things he did, how he related with different people, the people he healed, the miracles he performed, there is so much you can learn about Jesus from what he did. But another way of knowing Jesus is from what he taught from his teachings. Because what he taught revealed a lot about the Father. And like he told us, he and the Father are one. And so, from the things that he taught, we learn a lot about the Father and we learn a lot about Jesus. And we also learn a lot about the truths concerning the kingdom of God. And we learn so much about the principles of God. So we can learn about Jesus from the things he did. And we can also learn about Jesus from what he taught. And the teachings of Jesus are very profound. He is the greatest teacher who ever walked the earth. And his teaching style was very unique. And very phenomenal. And 2,000 years after he exited this earth, we still remember a lot of the things he taught. And one of the reasons was because he often taught using parables. And these parables teach us a lot of things. And so we have set it upon ourselves to learn about the parables of Jesus because we believe that they would teach us a lot about him and they would also teach us a lot about kingdom principles and kingdom truths. Can I have an amen from somebody? And so we have looked already at the parable of the widow and the unjust judge. 
And last week, we took a look at the parable of the rich fool. Fortunately or unfortunately, we didn't complete it. And so tonight, I'm sure by now you may have learned about me that I don't like leaving things untidy. I like to tie up all the loose ends. And so this is the second part of the parable of the rich fool. Don't be surprised if we close earlier than usual. Because when you've said all that there is to say, the only thing you have to do after that is to do what? Is to close. Turn your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. And we want to read from verse number 13. From the New Living Translation of the Bible. Luke chapter 12. From verse 13 to verse 21. Then someone called from the crowd. Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. And Jesus replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, Beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend. So he was calling himself my friend. You have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat. Drink. And be merry. But God said to him, you Fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. I have already taught you that any time you come across any parable of Jesus, you need to identify what the central decisive point in that parable is. And in this parable of the rich fool, the central, the decisive, the key note of that parable is that do not be so obsessed with acquiring earthly treasures and material things such that you forget God and do not acknowledge him in your life. Do not be so obsessed with acquiring earthly treasures and material things that you forget God and do not acknowledge him in your life. To be obsessed means to have your thoughts or feelings dominated by a persistent idea, image, desire, etc. So what are the lessons we can learn from this parable? The first lesson is that God knows our hearts and the motives for everything we say or do. Tell your neighbor, Say it again. <laughs> yeah. So in the account that Luke gave us, 
we find out that this young man comes to see Jesus and presents a petition. He says, speak to my brother so that he will give me a portion of the inheritance that our father left us. But instead of addressing the gentleman's problem, Jesus moved away from that to talk about something else. And what he said to the man shows us that he knew the real reason and the hidden motive behind the request that the gentleman had presented to him. That is why he moved away from the subject presented to him and he started talking about greed and covetousness. Which means that he recognized that the problem of this young man was that he was a greedy fellow and he was a covetous fellow. Hallelujah. What does it mean to be greedy? It means to have an excessive desire, especially for wealth or possessions. And to be covetous means to have a wrong desire for wealth or possessions. So Jesus saw into the motives and what was really driving the request of this gentleman. And that's why we're explaining that God knows our hearts and the motives for everything we say or do. Lesson number two, we must watch out against greed and covetousness and not allow them to direct our lives. Amen. You know, the problems of mankind started because of greed and covetousness. That's why all our problems started. Why am I saying that? I'll explain to you. Where did the problems of mankind begin? Evelyn, where did our problems begin? Well, is it your birthday? Is that why you are happy? I'm asking you a question and you are smiling happily. Where do you think the problems of man began? Where? In the Garden of Eden. You were telling her, but she was not listening. You see? That's how it is. You know? Don't worry. The Bible says a prophet is not without honor except in his own city. So you had the revelation, but she wouldn't listen to you. The problems of mankind began in the Garden of Eden. And what happened there? God had created everything. Then had created the first man and the first woman. And then he gave them an instruction. He said, everything in this garden is for you. All the different trees with their beautiful fruits are for you. Eat them. Enjoy them. However, there is one tree in the middle of the garden. It is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, that tree, don't touch it. That tree, don't eat of its fruit. That was the instruction. But amazingly, although they had everything else in the garden, and the only thing God reserved for himself was one tree. So there were thousands of other trees thousands of different fruits at their disposal. But the one that he said, don't go in for, was the one that they went in for. That is greed. And that is covetousness. You want everything. And that's why you and I are where we are today. So anytime you are sleeping in your room, when you look around, tell yourself that I am here today because of greed and covetousness. Adam and Eve, they are the ones who have brought me here. I've left my father's house. I've left my mother's house. I've left the people I know. I'm now in a room with a roommate who annoys me all the time. But I can't do anything about it because I must survive in this place. How did it all start? Because of what? Number one, greed. And number two, covetousness. So, 
This parable of the rich fool teaches us that we must watch out against greed and covetousness and we must not allow them to direct our lives. One piece of advice that we should live our lives by is to be content with such things as we have. Amen. Now, contentment does not mean that you shouldn't have ambitions. You shouldn't want to see things better for yourself. That's not what we mean by you should be content with such things as you have. But when we talk about contentment, we are talking about how you see something positive about whatever you find yourself with at every point in time of your life. As you look forward in anticipation for the greater things that God will do in your life. And I declare to somebody today that God will do greater things in your life. Because he hasn't finished with you. You are on a journey somewhere. Where you are currently in your life is not your final destination. You are going to a better life, into a better condition of living, into better circumstances. If your amen is loud enough, you will arrive at your destination quicker than everybody else. Hallelujah. Amen. So let's learn to be content with what we have and and keep our hearts away from greed and covetousness. Number three, the third lesson, your life is not defined but by what you have, even when you have a lot of, 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 of things. Your life is not defined by what you have, even when you have a lot. All right? So, you may have a lot of money, but it doesn't really define your life. Because there are people who have a lot of money, but they are still not very happy. You may have a lot of cars. You may have a lot of houses. You may have a lot of clothes. You may have a lot of food. But life is more than that. And you must understand that really, a blessed life, a happy life, a fulfilled life, a life of great value is not defined by what you have a lot of. Because there are people who have a lot of things, but their lives are still not blessed. And they are still not happy in this life. Some of the saddest people in this world are rich people. And you see that a lot in relation to these Hollywood stars, these pop stars, musicians, and what you have. Anytime I talk about these things, there are two people I think about. I think about Michael Jackson, and then I think about Whitney Houston. These were two of the most gifted musicians who ever lived. But they were not really happy although they were very rich. They were very rich. But there was something missing from their lives. Michael Jackson, at a point he wanted to change his looks from a black person so that he would look like a white fellow. He didn't like the flat nose that God gave to him. Because typical black people or African Americans, our noses, etarose, talk. And God, when he was making us, he decided that that's how our noses should be. A typical Caucasian or a white fellow, his nose is like this. You can open a tin of milk <laughs> with the noses of white people. That's not what we have. Or see, chin chin, that's the kind of nose I want. He bleached himself, and at the point we couldn't even recognize him. But man, the guy was very gifted. And he had a lot of money. But he was not a happy fellow. He couldn't sleep. And what killed him was that he took an overdose of sleeping pills. And Whitney Houston, hey, that woman could sink. She could sing. 
And even up to today, if I hear her song playing, I, I just marvel at the, at the great gift that was in her. But she died in a very sad way. She was married, but she was not happy. And it's believed that her husband introduced her to cocaine and to drugs. Killed her. So never ever forget that your life is not defined by what you have. Even when you have a lot of things. Never forget that. Now I know that the wish of many of us is to have a lot of money. How many want to have a lot of money? Yes. And the problem is not the money. The problem is when you develop such a love for it that you will do anything and everything in order to have it. That's why people are into Sakawa. That's why people are into internet fraud. And some of you, it is God who has saved you. That is why you are sitting here today. Otherwise, before we would have heard, you'd be lying in a coffin somewhere in the middle of uh, <laughs> in the middle of a river. One of the thickest forests in, in, in our country. Because of a certain love for money. Somebody can travel all the way from Germany to come and collect his child to go and use her for ritual things. It's a very amazing thing. And the Bible has said it clearly in Ecclesiastes 5 verse 10. That those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. It's not true that having a lot of money is what will make you very happy. Now, when, when somebody says these things, because we all want to get a lot of money, we say in our heads against what the person is saying. Omale, It's not true. Or we say that... Uh, if you don't like, we like. Yeah, let me have a lot of it. And I can understand. I can understand that. But when you see Solomon, ask him. When you see King Solomon, ask him whether all the money that he had, whether it really brought him the kind of happiness and satisfaction that he really wanted. Number four, God doesn't have a problem with us when we prosper or flourish. That's the fourth lesson. God doesn't have a problem with us when we prosper or flourish. Number five, God doesn't have a problem with us when we plan and project for the future. So the fourth point is that God doesn't have a problem with us when we prosper. And the fifth one, God doesn't have a problem with us when we plan and project for the future. Number six, God doesn't have a problem with us when we enjoy the fruit of our labor. God doesn't, en- God doesn't have a problem with us when we enjoy the fruit of our labor. Why am I saying all these things? Because when you consider the, 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 the rich fool in the parable, the parable of the rich fool, you, you realize that God was very upset with him. And God was not happy with him at all. How do we know? Because God told him, I'll kill you. And not only that, God also insulted him. He called him a fool. So two things. He called him a fool. And then he also told him that I'll kill you. You won't live to see tomorrow. Which must be an indication of how displeased or unhappy God was with him. Was God unhappy with him because he was rich? No. Because he had prospered and had flourished. That's not why God was unhappy with him. Because God is the one who gives us the ability to get wealth. Was God unhappy with him because he was planning and projecting for the future? No. It's a good thing to plan. It's a good thing to project for the future. And we've been advised to go and learn from the ant. Now, the ant knows that after summer comes winter. And when it is winter... It cannot come out to work because everything is some way. So what does the ant do in its antish wisdom? It decides that I will work hard and I will store up food for the winter. In essence, what the ant is doing is that it is planning for its future. And the Bible says we should go to the ant and learn from it. 
So ladies and gentlemen, it's good to plan and to project for your future. There's no problem with that. And that's not why God was unhappy with the guy. Then was God unhappy with the guy because he wanted to enjoy the fruit of his labor? Because what did the guy say? You know, we know that he wanted to plan for the future because he said, my barns or my storehouses are not big enough when I look at the size of the harvest that I've reaped in. So let me pull down the smaller barns and put up bigger ones and store up my wheat and all the other goods that I have. So that's planning. That is projection. That's not a problem with that. But another thing that this guy said to himself was that after I finished doing all of that, I am going to say to my soul, Mekra, it's time to earn joy. I'm going to eat, I'm going to drink, and I'm going to be happy. I'll let them play songs for me. I adore, I adore, baby. I adore, I adore, baby. And I'm going to jump and be happy and throw parties because I've worked hard. I've ripped in a great harvest. It's time to enjoy. Is that the issue God had with him because he wanted to enjoy? No. Because it is a blessing from God to be able to enjoy the fruits of your labor. After you have worked hard, you deserve to enjoy from the fruits of your labor. That is why you must learn to take money and give yourself a treat. Because you have to be careful. You may spend all your money to build a house and every time you don't you don't want to spend anything on yourself or on your family. Every time I'm building. So any money that you get, cement, any money that you get, iron rods, I understand. Because when you want to build and finish your project, you need to sacrifice a lot of things. But I'm giving you a piece of advice. Learn to pause sometimes and then go and buy something. Do you see? Why is it that every time your wife says, take me out, you tell her that there's Fanta in the fridge. We know that there's Fanta in the fridge. I said, take me. I said that there's groundnuts. <laughs> there's groundnuts and there's plantain chips <laughs> in the fridge. Why do we have to go anywhere? Just get the Fanta. One for you, one for me. Let's take plantain chips, groundnuts, and sit down. And then we watch Cantata or Efiura and one of those things. And we are happy in the house. I don't see why we have to. And the reason why you're saying that is because you don't want to spend on her. It's her birthday. You never buy anything for her. When she complains, you tell her, sir, darling, the house that I'm building, I'm building for us. So, please, there's not the time to go. She says, well, there are better days ahead. <laughs> there are better days ahead. I mean, please. So, learn to enjoy small. Is that not so? Yeah. Learn to enjoy a bit because it's a blessing from God. And certainly, God was not upset with this guy because he was enjoying the fruits of his labor. Which takes us to the seventh lesson that we learn from this parable of the rich fool. And there are just three more points and then we close. Lesson number seven. God gets displeased with us. God gets displeased with us when we don't acknowledge and honor him. When we don't acknowledge and honor him. God gets displeased with us. When we don't acknowledge and honor him. As the source of our blessings. As the source of our blessings. God gets displeased with us. When we don't acknowledge and honor him. As the source of our blessings. Do you have that? God gets displeased with us when we don't acknowledge and honor him as the source of our blessings. It is one of the lessons we can glean from the parable of the rich fool. That God actually gets displeased with us when we don't acknowledge him and honor him. As the source of our blessings. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7. Good news translation. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. First 
1 Corinthians 4, 7. What does it say? Who made you superior to others? Didn't God give you everything you have? Did you see that? What did I just say? Didn't God... Continue, please. Didn't God give you everything you have? Which means what? That God is the source of everything we have. And of course, he's talking about good things. God is the source of it. So, the Bible is asking, didn't God give you everything you have? Well, then, how can you boast as if what you have were not a gift? Please, recognize that God is the source of every blessing and every good thing that you have. And everything that you have that you can identify as good, as a blessing, never ever forget that it came from God. It didn't come from you. It didn't come from you. It came from God. And the earlier we recognize this, the better we will comport ourselves and the humble we will remain. Pride begins to set in when you look at yourself, you look at what you have, you look at your accomplishments, you look at what you have achieved and you begin to feel that you are somebody special. You are nothing. You are nothing. And that's what happens to us. When we experience small success, small blessings, small achievements, small accomplishments, people begin to talk about us. People begin to praise us. People begin to admire us. Then we begin to think that we are something that we are not. And we become larger than life itself. And it shows in how we talk to people. How we relate with people. How we handle people. How we treat people. Because we see them as nothing. And we see we ourselves as everything. That's, one, that's why one of the things that I try very hard not to do. Is to talk about myself and uh, whatever achievements that I, 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 I have in this life. I try not to talk about these things. Because I recognize that it is God who has given me everything that I have. And it is he who has made me to differ from another. And that everything that I have, it is God who gave it to me. I know. That is by the grace of God that I went to the university. Because I could easily not have gone. I know that. I recognize that. And so I don't use that to wah-wah myself. I don't. By the grace of God. So what do you have? What have you achieved? Why are you looking down at somebody who is not married? Why are you looking down on somebody who doesn't have a child? Or you don't recognize that it is by the grace of God that you are married? Or you think that it's because I have nice eyes. Nice eyelashes, nice ears, nice face. I have nice calves. That's why I am married. Come, I'll take you, I'll show you nicer calves than your so called calves. I'll show you. It's not by calves, so. Yes, <laughs> it is not by calves. It's not by the size of your backside. It's just by the grace of God. Because there are very beautiful people who can't get anybody to marry them. And if you are married, give praise to God. Acknowledge God and honor him as the source of your blessing. You have a good job? Now when people come to you asking for help, you, 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 you insult them. And you speak rudely to them. One, one, one person was telling me about where, when he went to see his pastor. Because he had a problem in his life. He had a crisis in his life. And I've been trying to see his pastor about it. And every time he's trying to see his pastor, when he goes, they'll tell him that, oh, the pastor is busy. He can't see him. The pastor is busy. He can't see him. But finally, he managed to see the, the, the pastor, you know, 
as the pastor was on his way home. And then when the pastor saw him, he said, hey, you two, why are you worrying me like that? Is it money you are looking for? Is it money like, yeah, come and get, come and get and go away and stop worrying me. In front of people. Yes. Because God has blessed us. We have a lot of people who come to us, who bless us. By the grace of God, we've made it. But does it mean that we should manhandle people and treat them despitefully? It doesn't mean that. And we need to constantly remind ourselves that it is God. And that if it had not been for the Lord on our side, where would we be? It is God who makes you to differ from another person. That's why when you see people in town, on the streets, selling pure water, or you see some of these young men, Father, forgive me for all the times that I have been rude to them. You see these young men who have these windscreen wipers. So at the traffic light, they come and then they want to wipe your windscreen. And the reason why I get upset with them sometimes is that I feel that, ask me, ask me first but then when you think deeply about it he knows that if he doesn't use Takashi it won't work and my other problem with it is that you, you don't know the water the source of the water and before you realize they've left scratches on your windscreen but usually it's those who have new cars who feel that way if your car is an old car do you see so there are times when I've been upset with them. You know, God forgive me. But you see, we must also recognize that if we had met some of the circumstances that these guys met when they were growing up, we may have ended up doing what they are doing on the streets. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You are, you, you are nobody special. You are nothing special. Nothing. Nothing special. You see, Emanuela, as you are sitting here, you are looking very nice. Look at the nice hairstyle that you have done. Oh, very, 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 very nice. But Emanuela, if I catch you and I cut off your hair, <laughs> I cut off your hair and then I put a tray on your head with pure water. There will be no difference between you and all these other girls that you see. Selling pure water. What else do they sell? What? Pie! They have a way they have a way they say. <laughs> yes! Yes! Meat pie! Wow. Yes! Yes! Meat pie! Kosio, 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 Kosio. Kosio, 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 Yes, get on tight. Tight, Waha. That means tight. When you see them, always tell yourself that it could have been me. It could have been me. And I am what I am by the grace of God. And the reason why God was displeased with this guy, this rich guy, was that in what he said, in his projections, in his planning and everything, he doesn't make any mention of God. There's no acknowledgement of God. There's no praising the name of the Lord. There's no honoring God. There is nothing that showed that he recognized that everything he has, all his achievements and accomplishments are because of God and the blessings and the favor of God upon his life. There's nothing like that. And it's one of the reasons why God was displeased with him. Because he didn't acknowledge God. So God gets displeased with us when we don't acknowledge and honor him as the source of our blessings. Number eight, God gets displeased with us when we focus on material things and not on him. 
when we focus on material things and not on God. God gets displeased with us when we focus on material things and we do not focus on God. Matthew 6.24, amplified version of the Bible. Matthew 6.24. It says, amplified, Matthew 6.24, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Or he will stand by and be devoted to the one. What is it? That's not what is there, right? Pardon? I should continue. You are confusing me. Matthew 6.24 No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will stand by and be devoted to the one and despise and be against the other. Now notice what he says in conclusion. You cannot serve God and mammon. Then Amplified Version goes on to explain what mammon is. Mammon means deceitful riches, money, possessions, or whatever is trusted in, whatever you put your trust in, becomes mammon to you and becomes an idol to you. Hallelujah. And so we are being advised here not to focus on mammon because it says you cannot serve God and mammon. Deceitful riches, money, possessions, or whatever you put your trust in, your education, your position. All these things can become an idol to you. And they begin to take the place of God in our lives. When now we elevate these things. And when we place them on a high pedestal in our lives. It becomes a problem. So when you focus on material things instead of on God. He becomes displeased on you. And this rich fool, it was obvious that he was focusing on material things was focusing on building bigger bands, storing up his wheat and other goods, eating, drinking, enjoying, and being happy. These are earthly material things. And he was not thinking about God at all. So that's why God was displeased with him. Number nine. The last but one. God sees you as a fool if you focus on earthly possessions but not on God. That's the ninth lesson we can pick from the parable of the rich fool. God sees you as a fool if you focus on earthly possessions but not on God. Luke chapter 12 verse 20, good news translation. We are about to close. Luke 12 20, good news translation. Luke 12 20. But God said to him, you fool, this very night you will have to give up your life. Then who will get all these things you have kept for yourself? God called this rich man a fool. And he called him so because his focus was on earthly things and his focus was not on God. And we must not behave like this fellow. Where all we think about are earthly things. Having a lot of money. Having a lot of things. That's all we think about. That's what drives and motivates us in this life. And we don't focus on God. We are always looking for ways and means of making more money. We want money, money, money. And so because of that, we can't serve God properly. We can't come to church properly. We can't serve in the house of God. And we are always looking for opportunity to earn more, to earn more, to earn more. Look, I'll tell you, my friends. A time has to come in your Christian work and experience where you decide that I must be able to make sacrifices so that I can be close to God. 
so that I can serve God properly, so that I can be in the presence of God. I must learn how to make sacrifices. We must learn how to do that. You see, the devil and the wealth system is trying to draw us away from God. And so they entice us with things that we like, things that we, we, we are greedy for and covetous for. They entice us with those things so that we'll stay away from God. And so they will tell you, if you come to work on Sunday, we will give you twice. Do you see the trap? Yes. If you come to work on Sundays, you will earn twice what you earn. It's a subtle trap. And you tell yourself that, oh, I'll do it just once in a month. But when you do it and you get it, you begin to calculate and say, eh, hey, if I do three times in a month, what I will get is almost equal to my whole salary for the month. I'll go. And that's how it starts. And you do that, do that, do that. By the time you come to yourself, you haven't been to church for six months, a whole year. Yes. And it is clear that what has happened to you is that your focus is on earthly things and material things and not on God. And I'll tell you that that is the trap that the system of the world has set. We didn't used to go to school on Sundays. (laughs) We didn't. We didn't used to do that. Except maybe the seven-day Adventists, those who hallow the Saturday more than the Sunday. But when we were in school, Sundays, it was, it was an unspoken accepted norm that Sundays we go to church. But now even exams are written on Sundays. It, Sunday morning. Not even Sunday afternoon. Sunday morning. You think, say, it is part of a grand scheme to shift us away from God and focus Focusing on God and serving him and worshipping him. Into seeking for earthly laurels and material things. It is a trap. Enyakwa. Enyakwa. Of course, as we move along, all kinds of changes occur in the world. I mean, like now, you have a situation of people working and schooling. I mean, it's been there for a while. But now the, the, the demand has become so great and all of that. So you have to you have a situation where some people do weekend school. Okay? But initially, when that thing started, Sunday mornings were not part of the thing. Am I lying? It's the truth, what I'm saying. When we started, Sunday morning, yeah. It was Fridays and Saturdays. That was what it was. And then along the line, they brought in Sundays. And it is like, take it or leave it. So you only console yourself that it's not going to be like this forever. (laughs) That's what you console yourself with. That it's not going to be like that forever. And then some decided also that they would do it every other week, which was not so bad. But then along the line, you realize that they'll tell you, come this week, and then come the following week, and then come the following week. By the time you come to yourself, you haven't been to church for two months. I'm telling you something. And we have to fight that thing. And God sees us as fools if we focus on earthly treasures, but not on God. And then the last point, you become truly wise when you cure yourself of greed and covetousness for material things and see your relationship with God as your greatest treasure. That's a long one. But I'll break it down for you. You become truly wise. That one is okay. You become truly wise. When you cure yourself 
when you cure yourself of greed and covetousness for material things. You become truly wise when you cure yourself of greed and covetousness for material things. And when you see your relationship with God as your greatest treasure. When you see your relationship with God as your greatest treasure. You become truly wise when you cure yourself of greed and covetousness for material things. And see your relationship with God as your greatest treasure. What, did you, what do you esteem highly in your life? What do we esteem highly in our lives? We only become wise and we only qualify to be called wise when we esteem God as the greatest treasure of our lives. And this rich man was called a fool because he saw material things as more valuable. And it's obvious because there was no recognition or acknowledgement of God in anything that he did. But we become truly wise when we cure ourselves of greed and covetousness for material things and see our relationship with God as our greatest treasure. And I tell you, having God is priceless, is more valuable, is invaluable compared to anything else. That's why we sing. me wadini na how yesu we ohini yesu osombo chenade nina there's another song we used to see jesus i am thirsty won't you come and fill me Cause earthly things have left me dry. Only you can satisfy. All I want is more of you. All I want is more of you. Said all I want is more of you, yeah. Nothing I desire, Lord, but more of you. unto your feet. Thank you, Father, tonight for these lessons we learned from the parable of the rich fool. From what we've learned today, may your Holy Spirit deposit wisdom into our hearts and into our minds. The wisdom to elevate God and the things of God above the things of this world. Because earthly things will leave us dry. And only you can satisfy. You said he who hath the son hath life. And he who hath not the son of God hath not life. May we hold on to Jesus. As the pearl of great price. A treasure. That it will be worth selling everything else for. 
I thank you for your word. And I thank you for these lessons learned. In Jesus mighty name. And let everybody say amen. Put your hands together for Jesus. Thank you for listening to The Shepherd's Voice with Pastor Johnny Awanyo. We do hope that you were greatly blessed. For further inquiries, please call, WhatsApp, or send an SMS text to plus 233-243-886-622. God bless you.